1: Good afternoon and welcome. We are staring down the barrel of another lockdown. Those are words from Premier Doug Ford, who is apparently meeting with his cabinet to decide exactly what that means. He's promised to let us know tomorrow. And just minutes ago, there was word. As you heard on Bob's News, that the provinces hit the critical mark of 150 COVID-19 patients in its intensive care units, and that's the point where our hospitals have to begin cancelling Surgeries. So, are you ready for more restrictions? Are you on side? The numbers to call 416 360 0740, toll free 1 866 740 Well, ready or not, I'm convinced that we are going back to something very similar to last spring's lockdown, just as we are heading into what is traditionally the Christmas shopping season. And most epidemiologists we talk to believe that is exactly what is necessary. So let's bring them in. I'd like to welcome Dr. Matthew Miller, Associate Professor with the Institute for Infectious Diseases Research at McMaster University, and Dr. Alon Vaisman, Epidemiologist and Infectious Diseases Specialist at the University Health Network. Uh, Good afternoon and welcome to you both.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: So uh, I'm wondering if you know any more than we know or you're hopeful for more than we know. Uh, my understanding is that perhaps the biggest target of this lockdown is going to be retail and it's the quote shopping season and that a lot of people are looking for curbside pickup only or something like that. Dr. Miller, what do you think?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I haven't heard any more details than you've heard at this point. <clears throat> but certainly it's the case that that any uh, you know, indoor location where large amounts of people are are congregating are the highest risk settings for transmission of this virus. And so as we enter the traditional Christmas shopping season, it wouldn't be surprising to see uh large retail centers um uh, adjusted in some way in order to prevent that from from happening further.
1: Uh, Dr. Vaisman, is that what you think is going to happen?
3: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Is that uh, during the summertime and into the fall, likely, uh, you know, shopping centers are not a major source of transmission. But now that Christmas shopping is going to become more of an issue, it makes sense to try to limit the number of people who are going to be in congregate settings. There, we, we know from previous years especially because it's cold, people are you know, huddled together in lines or in stores buying things. That's, that's one area to think about when thinking about lock, locking things down over the next few weeks.
1: Mhm. Uh and uh you know I'm remembering the first part of the lockdown for a long time now we've had restaurants operating uh with takeout only and with patios but they were shut down tight for a while. What do you think about that Dr. Miller should restaurants be closed altogether?
2: Well, I think that um uh still offering takeout is is a safe way to allow restaurants to continue to operate. Um Certainly, indoor eating is one of the most high-risk settings we know because it's something that that can't be can't be accomplished uh, with masks on, obviously. Um, and so, it, it's really unfortunate that we've we've come to this point and haven't been able to control transmission better because um, it's obviously, it, it, no matter what, going to have a major impact on these kinds of businesses.
1: Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm wondering. I mean. Shutting down retail, if that's what's going to happen to avoid the Christmas rush, is that going to take the numbers down, or is that just going to prevent them from getting even higher than we're seeing them go now, Doctor Vaisman?
3: Well, something like shopping—something you know—if you think about what the alternative is to going into a store and doing your Christmas shopping, the alternative would be either curbside pickup or ordering online. So that that specific thing may not promote alternative behaviors that are risky. But the restaurants and bars, that kind of thing, you have to do that carefully with very careful messaging because that certainly does lead to alternatives that are risky. So if people are not going to bars and restaurants, are they going to alternatively be at home gathering with friends and family, where there is zero control over what you do? There's no, you know, there's no mandate about or being able to reinforce masking or hand hygiene or distancing or anything like that. So I think when you when you reinforce when you install such restrictions, you just have to be very careful and message things very carefully about that.
1: Well, it's it's a matter of whether people comply. Now, we saw that we had, a, I, I think it's like a, a small dress rehearsal, Diwali, uh, last weekend. And there were a, a few instances of, of people breaking the rules they were charged. But the big question that everyone is asking now, because we've had little spikes after Thanksgiving and Halloween, Christmas, I mean, that's a big one. And frankly, I I know of people who say, hey, we're going to have our Christmas get together. We're not the problem.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I think that that is really short-sighted. And and to be quite frank, I think that in general, what is driving a large proportion of infections has been a people's, you know, general pandemic weariness and unwillingness to restrict uh, what we would consider to be probably more more frivolous frivolous indoor social gatherings, Um, and so, you know, we're we're in a bad spot right now, and and as was alluded to on the earlier news section, we're in a place where we're going to start to see. uh, surgeries reduced uh, in hospitals, which, which, you know, has a knock-on effect for, for not just the pandemic, but people suffering from all kinds of other conditions who need medical care. And we need to be really cognizant of that and, and vigilant um, because our own behavior is, is what's ultimately going to change the direction of, of transmission.
1: I'd I'd like to give the numbers out again. I'd really like to hear from people. um, What kind of restrictions are you prepared for? Are you willing to accept? uh, Is the closing of retail with curbside pickup and, and online shopping? Is that an option? Is that a good idea to shut it down? Or is it unfair? What about restaurants, takeout? What do you think? What are you ready for the numbers to call 416 toll free 1-866-740-4740. Uh, what about there are some uh, sports facilities that are still open? I asked this quite selfishly. I hope I can keep playing tennis, but I'm not sure. Are they going to close that down?
3: Uh, it's it's uh, yet to be seen what the actual uh, uh, measures are going to be until tomorrow. But I would imagine that for the sake of consistency, those kinds of places will be uh, closed as well. And you may say, well, that's not a very, there are some circumstances where that's not a very high risk behavior because people are distanced, maybe well aerated as well. But I think there is um, something to be said about consistency across the board for people, uh, for people to understand the, like the purpose of what's going on here. Sort of the idea that everyone should be taking this seriously. And there needs to be a temporary restriction on activities. You know, um, so. I,
1: I do agree with you to a certain extent. I know there have been some city politicians like Joe Cressy who are saying that people are muzzled. I don't really see that. Um, and that we need more information i i think that part of the problem is too much information too much conflicting information and the information keeps changing and i don't fault people for that the circumstances are changing but it it confuses people at the end of the day they say i'm just going to do what i think is best am i wrong
2: no I, know. I think that there there is a barrage of information and and unfortunately Um, We've reached a point in the the current stage of the pandemic where some of the most useful information is the information we're not getting, and and that information is, you know, really detailed contact tracing information about where the majority of, of um, transmission events are happening. Because when we're when we have low levels of cases and can do detailed contact tracing, it allows us to be much more surgical in um, in where and how we um, initiate restrictions. But with case numbers as high as they are now. Uh, that becomes really difficult to do. And as a result, uh, it it ends up calling for much more sweeping measures. I think, though, another really important point, of course, is that there is some balance to be achieved because, you know, people, we, we have to be, you know, cognizant of, of human nature and, and people's pandemic weariness. And if we want compliance, it is going to be important that we give people outlets to, to engage in, in activities that are safe so that they don't end up engaging in, in the types of unsafe activities that we know are, are most likely to result in uh, continued transmission.
1: Okay. I mean, you know what you say about the community transmission and the tracing. This is a, an example from someone I know, a friend of mine uh tested positive. Now, she doesn't know where she got it. She lives with a son who's in his 20s, and he ended up not even being tested. He's self-isolating with her, but for a whole variety of reasons, they live in a condo, and if he was going to go to get a test. They would have had to, like, do some super cleaning to the elevators. And uh, so, I mean, I would imagine that that's played out many, many times. And and so we have no idea where does this come from?
3: Yeah, that's that's true, that there could be people who just refuse to be tested or feel that it's too much of a hassle to be tested, and then subsequently not isolate appropriately if they are exposed. And the other aspect of it is that when we look at this data from public health saying, where where the infection came from that exactly. relies on people uh, providing us uh, you know their their exposure history. Some people may not be uh, for forthcoming with their exposure history, so there may lead to a gap in the data. And of course, there's lots of people who simply don't know because they because uh, there aren't enough people getting tested, enough people admitting symptoms, enough people. Who uh, you know to be a confirmed contact? So that's where there's a large gap in the data with regards to where infections are coming from.
1: Yeah, let's take a call from Barry in North York. Hi, Barry.
4: Hi. How you doing?
1: Fine. How are you?
4: I'm good. Um, as far as restrictions, I um, uh, I go every year to visit uh, my family in London at Christmas, um, and there's no way I'm taking a bus going up there. London, so they Ontario. Pardon? London yeah. Ontario, yeah, they realize that, and they're willing to come down and pick me up. But I was just talking to a friend the other day and said, well, the cases going up in Ontario, it's just ridiculous. So I'm even thinking of saying, no, I'm sorry, i, I will do a zoom christmas i just I just don't feel right, even though London doesn't have a lot of cases, but don't need one to get it. and I'd like to be around for other Christmases, and we can do this. We can sacrifice now in order so that we can celebrate properly. And everybody will be around to celebrate properly next year.
1: Barry, uh, I think uh, you are doing exactly what people are recommending that people do, and and you have the right attitude. Uh, so I commend you. Well, thank you. <laughs> but uh, commendation coming uh, from me, I'm not sure what it's worth. But I think that uh, that's that's what the authorities are hoping people will decide. But you know, I'm not right. sure. I think it's.
4: It's separating the selfish people from the selfless people. Because if I wear my mask to protect you, and you wear your mask to protect me, that means if I don't wear a mask, I don't give a darn about you.
1: Well, I don't know. Barry, thank you for that.
4: Okay, have a wonderful day.
1: Okay, bye-bye. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what everyone is hoping people will decide, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this sort of... Um, Long-term view is, is really what we need, but, but it is something that I think is not so easy for, for people to swallow, especially um, around something like the, the winter holidays that are, that are so steeped in tradition. But it's absolutely the type of long-term view that, that will, you know, help us get, get through this. Uh, in the, in the least painful way possible.
1: There's something else I wanted to touch on. So a couple of days ago, we got a neighborhood breakdown and it, it showed really shocking numbers uh, in places where we know that COVID is rampant, rampant in places like Brampton, where the positivity rate is nearly 20%. And we know why people live in close quarters and Mayor Patrick Brown made a very good point and he said what good is a lockdown going to do part of the reason is that a lot of these people are essential workers they're the people working in our healthcare settings they're working in factories they're they're uh, working in food service and they're on public transit and a lockdown is not going to lock them down you know what can we do about that
3: Yes, it is a good point that, to some degree, lockdown may not address a specific cause of the infections. For example, if people are going to instead go to home and gather instead. But if you think about those individuals who are the frontline workers who are working in various areas, the more you can do to reduce congregation of people in public settings, including buses, including restaurants, including even hospitals and other settings, the less likely those individuals are going to be acquiring the infection. So it is challenging to deal with infections that are acquired at home from multi-generational homes and people living in close contact, but at least you can try to address what goes on outside the home so that those individuals are not left vulnerable in those settings.
1: But, but yeah, okay. But still, I mean, how do you get, how do you climb down from, from a a 19.6% or whatever it was positivity rate? Um, I mean, is that going to do it?
2: I mean, it certainly can't hurt, right? There's, you know, it's, this is one of those problems that we have to avoid looking at as being so big as not knowing where to start. We have to start somewhere and, and by decreasing overall gatherings, um, it, it certainly does have a, have a measurable impact on those essential workers. I think what this kind of data though also should allow us to do is think about much more strategic resourcing. So if we know that people in these areas are, you know, putting pressure on public transit because they need that to get to their workplaces, well, then we should be implementing policies to help reduce density on on public transit by providing, for example, more buses to those areas, more major or more frequent um, uh, routes. Um, because those are those are easily implementable things that can that can start to help making a difference
1: yeah i don 't know how easily implemented they are if you see what 's happening in the city and with with TTC and all of that, but anyway, um, we are uh, basically out of time on this. I guess we just wait till tomorrow to see what happens uh, i 'll give you each uh, twenty seconds. What would you like to leave us with, starting with Dr. Vaseman?
3: I think one of the earlier callers made a great point is that thinking about the future, now that we have the more and more optimistic news coming with the vaccine, even if it's not as effective as it's being said, we're still going to be in a far, far better position. So to, to use the war analogy, we're, we're getting close to the end of that, of the most acute part of this. So if we people can look to the end now, see that there's a vaccine on the horizon, I think that's, that's very helpful in helping people understand the importance of doing these measures now so that we can save ourselves for the future.
1: Okay, and Dr. Miller?
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, my major message is that the more individually disciplined we all are about limiting our contacts the less necessity there will be for restrictions to be imposed at the governmental level. You know, nobody likes the idea of, of having, you know, the, the, the perception of their sort of liberties and freedoms impinged upon. Um, but, but if we force the government's hand by not being vigilant individually, then um, we're going to be in a much more painful situation with uh, mandated types of, of restriction measures.
1: Okay, uh, I'm sure that we'll be talking about this very soon in the days to come. In the meantime, thank you so much for your insight, Dr. Matthew Miller and Dr. Alon Vaisman. Thanks for having us.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.